Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When I was in the wilderness, I wrote a song for Encarnacion in my mind. Would you care to hear it? When the fantasy has ended And all the children are gone Something good inside me It helps me to carry on I ate some bugs I ate some grass I used my hand To wipe my tears To kiss your face I break my vow no, 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 no way, Jose, unless you want to. Damn, we break our vows together. Incarnation, 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 Incarnation. Okay, and this is Porch Talk. Tonight I have Johnny Havard, a friend of mine we met through work. Johnny is a DC comic fan and him and his girlfriend are huge cosplayers. And he's a gamer, a huge Overwatch. And I don't know, we'll talk about some of the other games you're into as we get into the show. And Johnny, just give it, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, Alan, one thing, uh, I appreciate you asking to uh, come on the show. Been following what, y'all, what you guys have been doing. Been- really liking it a lot. I did see where y'all did, you know, y'all were talking about Marvel Comics and all, and it was crazy because I was like, I was like, oh man, like if you need somebody to talk about DC, you know, I'd be obliged if he called me, and then not too long after that, you did wind up calling me, and I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great phone call. He was like, man, it was like he was asking me to be in your wedding. Oh, I feel honored. Like, <laughs> I, I do feel worthy. Yeah, man, I'm glad it was like when I was when I got to throw in the idea about DC, I was like, there's only one person in my mind that can do this. It's got to be Johnny. Yeah, well, I'm, I, I am grateful and honored to be part of Porch Talk. I don't get to talk about this stuff a whole lot now, especially since I, I don't work at a comic book store anymore. Right. And besides, when I'm at like conventions with, with my girlfriend and, and things like that. But I mean, it's always good because, I mean, we have like a running joke in any like nerdum community. Like some of your friends that aren't comic fans ask you questions about the comics or about the movies and everything, and you just you're like, I feel like a, a prophet. Right. Like yeah. Got to inform the people. Yeah, you are you are the guy that people are gonna come to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you are the whale. Come to the water. Yeah. I had a friend of mine. He was my old roommate. He called me up. It was, it was a while back. It was before Batman v Superman came out, and he called me and he said, "And this is my buddy. He's a huge old Miss fan and just straight up Mississippi." Yeah. You know, and uh, and he called me one night. It was like I don't know, two one thirty, two in the morning. Johnny, 
Man, I got a question. What's up, dude? He's like, all right, hey, so you know Ben Affleck's playing Batman now, right? Oh, here we I go. Said, yeah, yeah. He said, man, one of the guys at the shipyard told me that he read that he's actually going to beat Deathstroke. Is that true? How are they going to do that? You know, and I'm like, no, that's, that's just clickbait. Fake news. Yeah. Like, I, I started telling people what fake news was before Trump, so <laughs> you, could, you could put that down in writing. Yeah, you can take that to the bank, buddy. Yeah, I've been, uh, been a comic book fan for a long time. I got real heavy into it again just, just a couple of years ago friend of mine told me about this comic book store that was in mobile and, and i never really i had comics growing up but it was just like some that my parents or whoever would get me because we didn't have a comic book store or anything in, in my hometown and right. still so i just like got what i could and the feed off of that was just like watching the cartoons and the movies and, and things like that got back into it so much as though that i was working at a comic book store when i quit working and corrections loved it loved the job best job I've ever had yeah that's all that was always a lot of fun and i remember when i first met you like that was that was always a really cool story for you to go to it's like you know you used to work at a prison it, it, oh, yeah. it, it, it was always fun to hear some of the stories yeah it's it's funny even even now because I, I did that i grad when i graduated high school back in 2010 by 2011 i was in the academy and uh, for the Mississippi Department of Corrections as a correctional officer. Yeah. And I ended up doing that for about five years. And then I left in college as a freshman. This and, is South uh, Alabama, right? one home classes, you know, and it, it was like, you know, and, and you know, on the first day, everybody, they do that little game of, oh, we're going to go around the room and, you know, you can say your name and give you give us a little bit of background about you. And yeah. It got to me. And, and this is your moment. Yeah, I was like, well, I'm, I'm Johnny. Uh, I'm uh, 24. I was 24 at the time. 24, and the uh, last five years, I was correctional officer for the state of Mississippi Corrections Department. And they just, I just get this look, you know, just like they look at me and they're like, "Here, you know." <laughs> yeah. I get that everywhere too. And then, and then now, like I went from that to selling comics, and they were like, "How the hell do you go from being a prison guard selling comic books?" So it's, it's different. I, I do get a lot of weird looks, and you know, or, or people don't believe me. Like they look at me and they're like, "There ain't no way this dude worked at a yeah. prison." But, yeah. you know, and I like it, man. And I remember when I was first getting to know you at Heritage, uh, as we got to hanging out outside of work, you know, lo and behold, we both play guitar. And so that was something yeah. that we had in common. And then, oh, like, yeah, yeah. I always liked Batman and was a fan of DC, but you, you know, I've, I've never really picked up a comic and read it. You had a lot of inside, you know, things that just didn't fly over my head. Like, you could talk about it to somebody that didn't right. know anything about it. Right. And, and you know, this, you know, like I said, I didn't get back into it, like, heavily until a couple of years ago. So, pulled down to, like, the guys that I worked with and the guys that I was just around while I was trying to get into it. They were just able to explain to me, like, you got to remember though, like, you, you're talking about characters that have been around, especially when you deal with DC, Batman and Superman, like, you're dealing with characters that have been around since 1937, 1938. Yeah, yeah. So they've been around for years and years and years, so stories are going to be changed and all this, and comic books are just ever, it's a revolving door with reboots and redos and all that. 
Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's just when I got into it, so I know when people give me questions, and some people, though, I talk to them, just goes completely over their head, but, you know, can't help it. Yeah. But it's, it's funny, though, when I started working with you guys and football season came around, and when I hear all y'all talking about football, football players and fantasy league, and I'm just like listening to y'all like it's another language and I like look like I looked at you and Joe and I was like now I know how you guys feel when I talk about comic books yeah yeah it's a different <laughs> kind of nerdum <laughs> yeah it really is it's a nerdum to it I mean I mean fantasy football league come on it's it's D&D for job yeah literally yeah it is <laughs> but yeah I mean but you mentioned the music thing I try to I, I have hobbies like in different aspects like I, I i don't solely focus on one thing if i did I, i'd probably be a whole lot better at that particular thing deck of all trades master and none i guess yeah same but problem i play music too music's been a big heavy influence in my life and that's that's due to my family my family has a lot of a big musical background but i also like to draw i write i, I mean i do martial arts i do i love film i've studied film I, I just have all these different interests it's hard for me to keep my interests on one particular thing my girlfriend though she she's solely like absorbed into cosplaying and nothing but cosplaying and she's been killing it but, yeah i see like a, just following some of the things that you post i mean she's front page on some of these posts oh yeah like she, she is was, she's uh, the face of it yeah there's a uh, cosplay magazine that that's out or that's been out for a while called cosplay culture it's a big magazine and the the, the people that you see in it are mostly cosplayers that you know they get that that's their job they get paid to cosplay yeah and and she actually got they do this thing called cosplayer of the week or whatever where they you know they feature or talk about a cosplayer that they've noticed and you know, either through social media or at conventions, and she got chose to be put on it, and she was on their page for a while. Yeah. And uh, I've done that. She's also she's been guest at conventions. Guest meaning like she has a booth, and people come up and talk to her, and she does a panel, which is like the like a Q and A, and they'll ask her questions. She's done like wig tutorials. So I mean, within the last two years since me and her have been together. She, her talent has grown exponentially so I mean I'm super proud of her she's been doing a fantastic job yeah and congratulations to her man I, I like it when people are taking their hobbies and their interests and they're finding ways to you know express it and it, it kind of becomes lucrative for them because they get so good at it oh yeah absolutely I mean she's had people last weekend she had a convention in, in Atlanta it was anime weekend in Atlanta and on top of doing finishing all her cosplays by the way she makes them too you know there's there's some people that buy cosplays and put them together like i've done before but i don't have that talent like i don't know how to sew and i don't know how to do things like that like she does talents got recognized you know there's there's been people that have asked her hey can you do this wig for me can you make this for me they're like we i'll pay you to do this you know do a commission and she'll and she'll do it and on top of the ones the the cosplays that she had to do for that weekend she also had to do a wig style of wig for a guy mm -hmm. she, she did that also uh, she's been killing it she's been doing a fantastic job i try my best to support her and do what i can i try to be a mannequin yeah. you know her live mannequin and 
wig holder or whatever. Yeah, so, whatever, whatever you can do. Yeah, I mean, I, I cosplay too. You know, not I'm, my schedule is not as free as her. I work every other weekend. She works. She's off every weekend. So it, yeah, it you just know, depends I don't on how it hits. Like, yeah, and and I mean, she has a son too, and and uh, he's six, and we take him with us. And you know, like if I was his age, I would would have been thrilled if my parents would have took me to stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they did. They didn't believe in all that. I mean, he's six, dude. He just doesn't like walking around and standing in line. And but when he meets the people, like we met, we met some of the voice actors from Dragon Ball Z. Uh, when we tell him like that's Goku, and he just oh oh my god, and he loses it. Mm-hmm. Like he realizes that that's who they are, especially if they do the voice. Yeah. So uh, so it's really cool to see him enjoy it, and we involve him too as much as we can. It's it's been great. And if uh, if I didn't. If I wasn't a nerd, if I didn't, or whatever, nerd, geek, whatever you want to call it, and if I didn't ever get that job at a comic book store, it wouldn't have met her either, so that's how we met. Yeah, so. kind of crazy how it all worked out. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Well, cool. Well, hey, man, let's uh, let's get into DC and some of the latest happenings, and I also want to talk to you about X-Men, uh, the latest trailer oh, I saw about Dark Phoenix. Oh, yeah, trailer dropped yesterday. Yeah, it, yeah. Looks, it looks sweet. It does. Does. I'm especially excited for it. And a lot of people are not too big on the X-Men movies, but I'm like, well, when you think about it, it's like one of the first Marvel movies that started coming out in like 2000. Yeah. So 2000, 2001. I, I've, I've really been enjoying them. Yeah, and I really like Logan. And I've, I've really liked the, the past few films that X-Men has done in there. Oh, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Well, everything, every, everything after... Um, uh, X Men Three and um, the X the uh, the Wolverine Origins has been good. Did you see, <laughs> did you see on Deadpool Two when he's like cleaning up the timeline? Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know what's crazy about that? Like like I said, I'm a I'm a film nerd too. You know, I, I love film. When I when I left jail, and I started school. I was a communications major, and that's what my concentration is was in was uh, film media, TV media. Mm-hmm. The director of the first X-Men movie, Brian Singer, he didn't direct the third one. And so everybody was like, oh, okay, well, that's why I went. But there was several other things because they tried to do the Phoenix saga in one movie. And that's what I'm, what everybody's kind of worried about right now with the new trailer that just dropped because they're doing the Phoenix again. Mm-hmm. So, and they kind of hinted at it in um, X-Men uh, Age of Apocalypse. They, they haven't really been... If you look at it through a comic book standpoint, they really haven't been doing the the uh, Phoenix saga correctly, which is hard to do because Phoenix came out when Chris Claremont started writing for the X Men back in 1974 or five. I don't remember. Whenever Giant Size X Men number one dropped, and uh, he was writing, and that was his big thing. He really turned it around for the X Men because. Before then, in the 60s to when they came out to around that time in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s, I think I think it was 70s, but they were just selling recopies. They weren't doing anything new, and then he dropped the new storyline and, and then the Phoenix saga and all. And a lot of people don't realize, too, in the X-Men comics, too, uh, or in Marvel in general, uh, which they've been touched bases, they've been really doing it justice to the new the Marvel universe that's been going on. With all, there's all kind of these different intergalactic beings and, and planets, and there's a lot of space and you know different universes that, right. that they all travel to. And the Phoenix is a cosmic entity from space. Oh, I didn't know that. 
I thought yeah. she, I thought she was a human with uh, you know the the X mutation. See, that's what how they did it in the movie, and it all started with X Men Three. Uh, well, excuse me, X Men Two technically, uh, because at the very end of X Men Two, when Jean sacrifices herself, it's, they took that same concept. Because in the comic, what what Jean does is the the, the X Men are in space, and she's the only one, and they're in the spacecraft, and they're falling towards Earth, and or I can't remember exactly the storyline, and Jean. T- basically says i'm going to pilot the ship i have my tele- telekinetic ability i can withstand it i'm with y'all i'm going to save y'all i'm going to pilot the ship by myself and it, anyway she does and the radiation eats her up and while she's dying she's like crying out for help and then the phoenix entity shows up because they're in space oh. and feeds off her psychic ability and shows up and presents itself and says i'll save your life and your friends if you join me and that's where it goes but in the movies they set it up as it was a manifestation of Gene's psyche that Professor Xavier had put a psychic barrier on for years and it just evolved yeah it looked like they're going to use they're going to go that way again with this new trailer yeah it looks like looks like they're what they were doing because of like I said X-Men Age of Apocalypse you know they touch base on that again and it looks like that's what they're gonna do leading up to here too you know but again like I said and and this all goes back to every comic book movie or any movie based off of a book they're gonna change a lot of stuff and especially if you're dealing with comic books and I've preached about this for years too I mean no comic book movie is perfect and a lot of people and then there's some people that are like Deadpool was perfect no it wasn't perfect you know and, and, and it's any of them none of them are perfect and some are worse than others some of them they do their best to do the best adaptation and even though they do make minor changes and the X-Men movies like I said you're dealing with years and years and years of writing and stories and trying to condense that into an hour and a half two-hour movie it's you yeah know, it's good not, luck yeah so especially the way that, like the marvel universe is divided up fox owns the rights to the x-men which probably not but well pretty soon disney's gonna buy them out so they'll have all their characters back all their properties back but as of right now i think fox still technically owns the uh, the rights to the X-Men. Yeah, and they've just been slowly giving up a rights, like they had Spider-Man for a while. Yeah, well, see, Sony, Sony owned uh, oh, that, that was Yeah, that was Sony. Yeah, you're right. And I think that the deal breaker with them was, um, yeah, you can put him in the movies, but we want to make the video games. And the, the new game just dropped, and it has been a hit. Everybody's been loving it. I, I actually want the game. I haven't played a Spider-Man game since... The Tobey Maguire uh, Spider-Man 2 game that came out. It looks fantastic. I remember seeing the trailer and I was like, oh wow, that looks like it's going to be dope. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got some friends of mine that are huge Spider-Man fans and they're like, it's worth it. It's everything we hoped it would be. Get it. It's been a while since I heard that about a video game as far as like a superhero video game. Oh man, like me personally... I love the Batman Arkham games like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Me and you both. Yeah, I even have Origins. A lot of people didn't like Arkham Origins, but I did. I enjoyed it. I have it. I only have I have uh, Origins Asylum and City for 360, but I have Arkham Knight for PS4. Um, But uh, they they did they went back not too long ago and they did uh, a uh, Arkham. Remastered. They remastered uh, Arkham Asylum and uh, 
in Arkham City. They called it uh, Arkham Revisited, I think. And then what it is, it's a PS4 remastered version of the game. Mm-hmm. Of the games, and I haven't gotten it yet because my obsession right now has been Overwatch. And yeah, how, how long have you all been on that? Y'all been on Overwatch kick for, it seems like, over a year now. Yeah, Overwatch has been out, I want to say it's going on year three now, I think. And it's, it's been very successful. I've really been enjoying it because I haven't really played a lot of online games, not since Black Ops 2, which I personally think is the best Black Ops game. I've played the other ones. Like, I played the last one, Black Ops 3, and I was like, they're just trying to advance warfare, one of them. It, it seems like they're trying to be like Halo. They got, like, ecto suits, and they're, like, jumping. It's, like, too sci-fi for me. But, yeah, like, Black Ops 2 was, like, Vietnam-era, you know, like, basic technology, not, nothing advanced. Call of Duty lost me at Modern Warfare 2. I, I would play the uh, the zombie variants on Black Ops, but that was I didn't play I didn't play the multiplayer. Yeah, I, like you said, it, it was just to me. Okay, y'all y'all just pretty much just released a new map and just calling it a new game. Yeah, yeah. And you got different you got different gun variants from a different time, and like you said, with Black Ops 3, it took a very futuristic sci-fi approach to where it was jetpacks and bouncing off walls and. Do one. I got super excited when I saw that they were going to do it when they did the war, World War II game. Because my memories of playing Call of Duty, that's what it was. Like Big Red 1 era, World War One, World War Two era games. Like those were awesome to me. Those were like uh, Medal of Honor. That was another series that, of games like that that came out that I really enjoyed. I remember playing those PlayStation 2 back in the day. Those were great. But Overwatch was in its like own little category itself as far as a team team game because you have different you have different objectives. You have different games. You have uh, there's no campaign. It's strictly you're playing online. Okay, I didn't know um, that. I haven't I haven't picked up a copy of it yet. I haven't been I ain't been yeah. playing a whole lot of games lately. I just been kind of following with like you and some of the other guys. I know play games and what they're playing in case I was to pick it back up. Overwatch is the only online game that I've been playing, you know, and me and Hannah, we play together. We've met friends playing. We all play together. It's, it's fun. You, you do build a community doing it. Before I got my Wi-Fi, the only game, I do have other games that doesn't require, you know, Wi-Fi. Uncharted 4, that came with my PS4 when I bought it. Mm-hmm. I have both the Dragon Ball Xenoverse game, Skyrim Remastered. Hannah got that for me for my birthday. I love Skyrim. Like, I'm, that's another one I can get lost in for hours. Well, what's crazy about that one is it's it's still good now. I love going through it, and I just love creating new characters and just different trying different classes and all. I always wind up being a, an enchanted archer by the end of it, but I mean it's still fun to do. And uh, and um, Shadow of Mordor, of course, because I'm I love Lord of the Rings, and it's made by the same company that did the Arkham. So it's kind of the setups, the gameplay, and the setups kind of the same. It's just Lord of the Rings instead of Batman, but mm-hmm. I still enjoy it. I played the first one of the Shadow of Mordor. I haven't. Um, I've been yeah. waiting on the. Uh, that's the one I got. I haven't played the new one yet. Yeah, I've been waiting on Andrew. He's uh he's got a copy of the second one. I've been waiting on him to finish it up so I could borrow it from him. But it's it's good. But what little bit I've seen him play of it, it's it's an improvement from the first. That's what I've been told, just from what I've seen too. I I, can't, I love it too because of the stories. I I know that sounds stupid, but even with the Arkham games, I mean I love them too because of the story. And you're, if you're a big Batman 
nerd like I am, you know, you see those little Easter eggs and mm-hmm. you want to like lock everything. Like I had to do it. Like what was really cool about Arkham Knight when it came out, you can download and like you could with the other games, you can download different skins. But also now, since this was the first game that you can actually play the Batmobile, it was playable. You can download different skins for the Batmobile too. So That's of course. Cool. When they dropped the Michael Keaton, Tim Burton, 1989 Batmobile, which is my favorite Batmobile, I had to get it in the skin, so... Ain't that the one I, that they got at Six Flags in, oh, in Atlanta? Oh, Have man, you been there? I've never been. My parents didn't believe in going to amusement parks, so I've, I've never been to one before. They, uh, they have a whole area that was dedicated to Batman. They had, like, the Minesweeper, and then they had the Batman ride, and then they had, like, the Batman show. And I think the Batmobile that you're talking about, it was the car that was featured in the little show. You know, it was yeah. it was Batman, the Joker, I think Rob, I, I was young, man. I know Batman and Joker was in the skit and they had the car and they had, you know, it would shoot the fire out the tailpipes. It was, it was dope. Oh, man. I remember losing my mind as a kid. <laughs> I would love to have had that. Oh, and another game that I finished not too long ago, The Last of Us. That one I have the, the remastered. No, that's a survival yes. type game, right? Yeah, that game was great. I, I really enjoyed The Last of Us, and the second one's coming out pretty soon, and it looks great also. Oh, when I said Call of Duty Black Ops 2 was better, I was wrong. I, was, I don't know what I was thinking. Call of Duty Black Ops 1. 1 was the best. The okay. 1 was my favorite. Okay. That's the one. Because I'm looking at it right now because I have it for 360. And and I have, you know, I, I hang on to my 360, like I said, because I have games for it that I still like to play. Like, I love the Ghostbusters, so I still have the first Ghostbusters game that came out. <laughs> I, I never and, played those, man. Was it, was it good? Oh, man, I loved it. It was, it was so great because I, I do love the Ghostbusters, but it was just... The fact that you, you get to play as a Ghostbuster, you have the Proton Pack. There had been Ghostbuster video games that came out, but nothing like this. And on top of that, too, you had the original actor in the game, Harold Ramis, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Bill Murray, all the guys. You're taking me back to Zombieland, man. Uh, you, have you seen Zombieland? Oh, yeah. When they go to Bill Murray's house? Yeah, yeah. Do you have any regrets? Garfield. Garfield, baby. Another some useless nerd logic. And they, they do, they, they mentioned this in Rick and Morty and I about had a panic attack when they did it. The, uh, the voice actor of Garfield played Bill Murray's character from the Ghostbusters and the Ghostbusters cartoon, the real Ghostbusters. What? And then Bill Murray played Garfield. Yeah. I didn't know so, that. Yeah, and they, they do a shout-out to it in and, and Rick and Morty mm-hmm. in the episode where Rick and Morty are watching it, it was interdimensional the, TV. Yeah, interdimensional infomercials or whatever it was. Yeah, exactly. Really go and play some Overwatch, and I just keep going back to it. So it's it's been a, it's been a nightmare. <laughs> That's kind of the way it's been for me with uh, Dark Souls. Like, that, is, that has been my... Matter of fact, that is, that's the only game... That. That's the only game I own on my Xbox One is Dark Souls 3. I have not bought any other game. Andrew is, he'll beat the games like, here, check this out. He brought Xenoverse 2 over to me. I, I played and beat it. He brought Battlefield 1 over here to me, and I played the, the online with that and played a little bit of the campaign. Wasn't really hitting on anything for me. It was just like every other game like that. Battlefield 1, I remember when I was living with Michael, I played it, and I was playing the story mode. It, it was, it seemed like, it, it looked awesome. And I, from what I played, I, I enjoyed it. But speaking of battle 
game. I tell you, the one that I was very, very, very disappointed in What's that? was Battlefront, Star Wars Battlefront. I was so excited. They haven't done it right since that second one that dropped on like the regular Xbox. Yeah, they had. Uh, I played it for PS2, but they had Battlefront, which was a good game. It was like conquest feel to it mm-hmm. and then battle battlefront 2 came out and that was the one where you can play heroes and villains like you can play jedi and sith and or mm-hmm. whoever and you can unlock them or play them like during the level of the campaign and, and that was what i loved the most about it and, and then battlefront came out i was like oh my god this is gonna be great and then ea just they, and then battlefront 2 came out and they're like Oh yeah, so if you basically, basically if you drop all this money or if you buy this character like Darth Vader, you pretty much are going to win every time. And that's how they did it. They were like, they were like, oh, buy this stuff and you'll win every time. And then they'll do that with the loot box thing, which Overwatch has that too, but nothing that, nothing you buy helps you, helps you win. Like, it's just kind of player. It's just like, but you have like, different skins and you mm-hmm. have you get when you play competitive mode and you get enough points ranking points you can buy like gold versions of a character's weapon and you can buy different things but i mean like literally none of it helps you play better it's just a cosmetic thing mm-hmm. and that's and that's how you do that but you also get free loot boxes too when you level up as opposed to a uh, ea they're like oh you drop this money down and you buy this character and you pretty much win. So and that's what everybody was pissed off about, which which is completely understandable. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the DC Universe versus Marvel, how the cars just, they are not stacked well for DC and what DC is trying to accomplish in your mind. You mean as far as... The cinematic universe. Okay. As far as the cinematic universe, I think a lot of it, and, and for me to say this, I'll have to go back for the people at home that don't know or people that don't pay attention. Or Marvel is owned by Disney. Mm-hmm. Disney, huge, huge company that has been around for years, and they have an estimate of owning over 80%, probably close to 90% of all media platforms, ESPN, ABC, mm-hmm. everything. Yeah, they're, um, they're in entertainment everywhere. Exactly. A multi-billion dollar company. That being said, they have plenty of money to invest in things. Dan Dale, some of them may not even work out for them. Like the, this last show that they did in Humans. They did that, put a butt ton of money into it, canceled after one season. It didn't hurt them. They, they made that money back in a day. Yeah. See, I... Uh, and what they managed to do when in 2008, 2007, 2008, when, when they bought Marvel, when Disney bought Marvel, they made their own studio solely based for making Marvel movies. They decided, all right, well, we're going to start our own universe and every movie or everything that we do, TV show after this is all going to be part of the same universe. The Netflix shows, the TV shows, the movies are all in the same universe everything that happens that's it's all together mm-hmm. so they managed to do that well warner brothers being the second biggest and they own the properties of dc comics they said okay well we need to jump on the ball with this because marvel has been killing it with the movie. and um you know and uh, to be fair though 
DC has been killing it with their animated movies and TV shows and their video games mm-hmm. and their comics. Yeah, as of as of recently, I believe uh, it's been reported or shown that sales for DC comics has been the comic book sales has been surpassing Marvel. <laughs> that boy ain't right. I tell you what. Do you think that this draw to Marvel? Or this draw away from Marvel is because of this. DC is darker. It's more real. There's more depth. It's the, the the running the running joke with fanboys in general. I mean, I, I do enjoy both to an extent. I am more of a DC guy, obviously, but that's because like mo- a lot of the Marvel characters really haven't appealed to me or really gave me any interest. There's a few that do, especially Daredevil and the X-Men. Those are my biggest ones. And yeah. because of the Daredevil show, I've also been introduced and been more interested in like Jessica Jones and Paige, Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, and so that has helped me with, you know, as far as more interest in the Marvel thing. And I remember um, before I left Mobile, those were some of the shows that were coming out. And I remember when we were hanging out, if we weren't watching it, you were talking about it. It made me excited about watching it because it was a big reason why I watched it. <laughs> yeah, because you, you're not because I know you're not a Marvel guy, but if you can get excited about these, they must be good. Oh yeah, I mean, especially Daredevil. Like I was, Daredevil has been, in my opinion, one of the underrated Marvel characters. And of course, the Ben Affleck movie that really did help. The Daredevil craze. No, it didn't. Um, again, that's another example of bad writing, poor choice of actors, you know, and and the director Brian Johnson, who also directed the Ghost Rider movies, and that'll also um, tell you. And that god awful Electra movie. Yeah, that movie was trash. You know what the, some of the problems were, and a lot of people like even with DC with the movies now, a lot of people be like Zack Snyder, poor Zack Snyder. I say poor Zack Snyder. I don't care. I, I like Zack Snyder. I think he's a great director. I love The Watchmen. I love the comic. I love what he did in the movie. I'm not a big Superman fan, but after I saw Man of Steel, I was like, that was good. I really enjoyed that. But I mean, and that's what I think the biggest struggle with DC has been with their movie universe has been they're still trying to find their their footing. But I think a lot of it is Warner Brothers executives. They're like, hey, we want to do what Marvel is doing. Y'all make this happen, like, quick. So. Oh, man. They're getting too, and a bit too big like, a hurry. Superman was too long, boring. They had too much stuff, you know. And I'm like, well, they're trying to catch up and build Justice League, you know. And I think Zack Snyder was like, okay, all right, how are we going to do this? This is what the the people that are paying us to make this movie. This is what they want, and we got to come through with their demands. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot of and a lot of people don't realize that too. It's not like Zack Snyder is not like the one making all the decisions, way above his payroll. And I think and I think it's what it is. They just Warner Brothers executives just want to hit the fast forward know. button. Yeah, exactly. They're like, hey, we want to do the same thing what Marvel's doing, even though they had like a ten year head start. Yeah, because my Marvel's been around. What Iron Man two thousand? What was that? 2007? Well, the year the year after Disney bought Marvel, Iron Man came out, and that was 2008. And John Favreau directed the movie, and he really set the bar for the remaining of the movies that came out after mm-hmm. that. 
Mm-hmm. And Iron Man one was really good. I really enjoyed it. Iron Man was another one of the Marvel characters, like the animated TV show that came out. It was around. It aired the same time around the Spider Man animated series and the X Men animated series. Right. You know, it, it came out, and that was all. And they were all properties of Fox too at the time. They came on Fox Kids on that network. Two thousand eight, Disney bought them out, and then they kicked off their new universe. Yeah, and I tell you what, man, Iron Man 1 is still, to this day, one of my favorite superhero movies. Oh, yeah, it was great. The actors that they've been picking to play these characters have been fantastic. Chris Evans playing Captain America. I mean, I'm not a Captain America fan, but I know I know enough about the character yeah. to, to see that, like, when he, the way he's portraying him, like, that's I, that's believable to me. Yeah, like it's his real. demeanor, the way he talks. He's a man that's a World War II soldier that's stuck in the 1940s still, mm-hmm. you know. He's got this moral um, code. and Yeah, I mean, just his demeanor, the way he talks, it's believable. It's Robert Downey Jr. playing Iron Man, too. Like, that's so believable to me. Now, that being said, with DC, the, the actors that they've been picking to play these roles, same thing. I think they've been doing a fantastic job. Yeah, the guy that they got to do Superman, that was incredible. Henry Cavill has been doing a great job, too. And and that's another thing, too. If you heard a while back, they were talking about Henry Cavill stepping down, playing Superman. That's more of people speculation, you know, people just going off and because they're just trashing DC movies and all. And it's just clickbait, people just trying to stir stuff. Fake news. Yeah, fake news, whatever. I was very skeptical about Ben Affleck playing Batman. I really was. Yeah, since Daredevil? Yeah, since Daredevil. And, you know, and then Daredevil, too. I mean, he didn't do too, too bad. I never would have pictured him playing Daredevil. That was, I think that was more of the writing and the the directing on, on that movie. You know, and he himself admitted that he... Didn't know much about Daredevil, but mm-hmm. he caught up with uh, he caught up with Silent Bob, the Fat Man on Batman. I can't think of his yeah. real name. Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith. That's it. Yeah. See, Kevin Smith, he wrote Daredevil for a while. And, did not know that he wrote some of the comics. Yeah, he did. He wrote Daredevil for a while. It was very Daredevil is a Catholic, and Kevin Smith being a Catholic, he wrote he. He put a lot more into his religious beliefs, and a lot of the, and the story dealt with a lot of his religious beliefs and Catholicism and everything. And it was it was very interesting, very wordy because Kevin Smith does like mm-hmm. he likes he likes writing dialogue and he likes writes a lot. It was a really good story. I enjoyed them. Okay, but and I, so if people want to find those, what what year on Daredevil about was that? Was I understand if you don't know the exact? I believe uh, he wrote Daredevil. I see Kevin Smith wrote it. I want to say it was late '90s, early 2000. Uh, I want to say it was. Cannot remember exactly off the top of my head. To okay. be honest, that's the, and that's the thing too. I'm not. I'm not a. You're not a Marvel guy. I mean, well, not that, but I mean, I'm just like if I, I I have a good idea, but I'm not one of these guys, and I'm like I know everything and don't fact check me. I mean, I I all admit when I'm wrong, and I encourage people to fact check me because if I'm wrong, please let me know. Yeah, he, uh, he wrote uh, Guardian Guardian Devil. That, that was the name of the story that he wrote, and I believe that was published '99. 2000s, I think it was. It was it was before the Daredevil movie came out, and that came out, and I think oh. Okay, so they, they, did they use some of his comics for that movie? I think they did use some of the story element. If I'm not mistaken, well, but that's, uh, that's interesting. Okay, yeah, that was published in 1998, 1999 when it was. Okay. 
he wrote that, and the Daredevil movie came out in 2000, 2004, 2005. So it was one of the early Marvel movies. Back to DC. But, yeah, but I mean, I think he, he's been doing great as Batman, me personally. Now, Justice League, how they changed the character up, because Batman v Superman got a lot of backlash for being too dark. Mm-hmm. And they, they got Joss Whedon to fill in because Zack Snyder had a tragedy in the family and he had to step down from the movie. And uh, Joss Whedon, who Joss Whedon, we know him for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Firefly, and directing the Avengers movies. And oh, they were like, oh, we'll get Joss Whedon to do it. But look what he did for Avengers. So let's do that in Justice League. And you can't do that with Justice League because, like I said, Marvel and DC, it's got, DC's a lot darker in most stories. I'm not saying that Marvel doesn't have any dark stories because, I mean, you got Daredevil, Jessica Jones, some of the X-Men titles, and some other characters have had some pretty dark, messed up stories. Right. But, uh, but I mean, it was just the, you could tell the tone changes in the movie. I mean, I, I still enjoyed Justice League. I thought it was fun to watch, but you could totally tell the differences in between what was Zack's and what was Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it until they woke Superman up. You know, it was like, well, it's over. Checkmate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the struggle was over at this point. Yeah, and I mean, like, you can can tell, like, the way they were building up to Justice League, there was, like, so much more. There was a different direction that Zack wanted to do. And, you know, and everybody, a lot of people were like, we want this this Snyder cut of the movie. Has that been released? No, no. But there's a lot of people demanding it. I would love to see it myself. I would too. You know, I and, think that and, would be you know, interesting. Just like when when Batman v Superman came out, and then the Ultimate Edition, and I had like yeah, I borrowed, I borrowed that from you. Yeah, yeah, and 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 there were people like it still didn't make the movie better, and I'm like, well, I'm the type of nerd that I'm gonna buy the extended edition. Like I have Lord of the Ring movies, it's the extended editions. I want more movie. I want more of the things that I love. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I'm saying, Lou, I've got all the extended cuts of the Lord of the Ring movies, and something I wanted to bring up on like Shadow of War is some of the stories and characters that are in those games. Mm-hmm. That's in Tolkien's universe. Those are uh, what they call some of the lost tales, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. And so that yeah. the elf that forged everything—that that's not just some made-up person. Like that's in the Middle Earth universe. Right. And so that yeah. that Shadow of Mordor, those are those are characters. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You talk about Lord of the Rings, dude. I, I read Lord of the Rings once a year. That is in my yearly reading plan. And I, I had another fantasy that I just recently read. All right, do you know about the Sword of Shannara? The first book, it is incredible that they did not get sued by Lord of the Rings because it was so close to Lord of the Rings. Like, instead of ring wraiths, you had skull bearers. And they did. Oh. And instead of a ring, it was a sword. Instead of Gandalf and wizards, you had... Alanon and Druids. Things were just interchanged. But the story wow. and the flow was just... As a Lord of the Rings fan, I mean, I really enjoyed it just because that is my kind of fantasy. I like the medieval, uh, you know, bows and arrows and swords. Same, and, same, same. I, I really enjoy medieval fantasy myself. Especially not only European, but Asian as well. I, I really, I really enjoy enjoy those too like journey to the west which was a big inspiration for akira toriyama to create dragon ball and dragon ball z did not know that um, oh yeah goku loosely based off of sun wukong who is not the main character of journey to the west but i mean he's assumed to be the the main character he is the monkey king he is you know goku's got a tail he turns into a giant monkey uh-huh 
Yeah. He rides on a flying cloud, Nimbus, which is what Sun Wukong had. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there's a lot of the elements to that story that inspired Akira Toriyama to create Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. That's awesome, man. And I'll tell you what, Dragon Ball Z has, and you go to Super, you, or you can take, you can go GT as well. It has one of the greatest character development stories of all time, Vegeta. Oh yeah, Vegeta. Yeah, I, I, he's not my he's not my favorite character, but he definitely yeah. When you mean character development, he does have a, a great character development. But I tell you another show that that's in kind of like that Asian theme, the Avatar: The Last Airbender. That is hands down. Okay, you're gonna catch a lot of flack off that. Defend yourself. People have destroyed that movie. Oh, that movie. Yeah, I I've destroyed that movie, dude. That everybody, every diehard. Last Airbender fan knows that, that that movie is complete blasphemy. That movie, I'm talking about the series, the cartoon show that came out on Nickelodeon. I love that with a, more than anything. And and that's another one. When you meet great character development, the writers of that show, how they did character development for every, every character was fantastic. Even in that followed through, even to the next show, The Legend of Korra. Which, it was still good, I still enjoyed it, but the first series was by far definitely my favorite. Mm-hmm. But the main thing is Prince Zuko, his character development throughout the whole show. It's right up there with Vegeta, too. You know, he's he's like the bad guy, and then at the end, you love him. Yeah. You know, so, and I got to meet that voice actor, too, Dante Bosco, and I was cosplaying as Zuko, and I got to meet him, and he was super stoked because he was like, dude, you're the only Zuko cosplayer that I've seen at this convention. I'm like, <laughs> cool, oh, man. that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. You tip your hat to each other, huh? Uh, yeah, and he, uh, he like, filmed me on his Instagram. He was, like, on his social media for a little bit. I have a, I have a, I copied the video because I'm conceited like that. <laughs> I remember it. You showed it to me. I've seen it. Yeah, he was, he was super, super cool guy. And, and for those of you that don't know, too, Dante Bosco also was Rufio on the Hook movie with Robin Williams. Oh, man. Cool. That's a little yeah, fact. That's, that's the two big things he's he's known for is Rufio and Prince Zuko. Going back to DC, as far as the movie universe, what they're doing, they also, what they have going on, too, they are also kicking off their DC universe, their streaming service, and they're doing their Teen Titans, or and this show is just called Titans, and it's very R-rated. Still waiting to see that to form an opinion because of the, the actors that they picked to play characters. You're going to get that regardless. You can't please everybody. They also doing Harley Quinn. I think they're going to give her a series. One of the movies that they're doing, they're doing Gotham City Sirens, which is a, a series that they did in the comics that consisted of, originally it was Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, and Catwoman. Oh, that'll be cool. Yeah, and what they just announced, though, what they're going to do is, for the movie, uh, Margot, Margot Robbie, of course, is going to be Harley Quinn, but they're also going to add in Huntress and Black Canary. The, also, two great female characters from DC, uh, Huntress being one and Black Canary also being one. Black Canary is the love interest partner. She's an awesome character in her own title, too, that she had later. But she is. She was introduced being affiliated with the uh, Green Arrow, who's also one of my favorite DC characters. And and anybody that's watched the Arrow TV show, that's another thing. Like that show, I, I really, really, really was excited for it, and I got into it. And just like the 
the direction that they took off with it, I just, I couldn't follow it anymore. I was just like, I, I'm, I'm good. This isn't the Green Arrow that I read in the comics, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. They, he was, they, were like, they were basically like, after Smallville, they were like, okay, we need another show like Smallville. Smallville has its flaws, too. Don't, don't get me wrong. They're like, okay, we need another one. We're going to do a non-powered superhero. What about Batman? No, we're not going to do Batman because Christopher Nolan's doing his movies, and we need to do something else. Who else can we use? And they're like, oh, Green Arrow. And I got super excited. Uh-huh. It's too much for me. I was watching it there for a while, and I was like, yeah, they're ripping way too much Batman lore onto this. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but anyway... But Black Canary is in that show, but we're going to see her in this movie, which I'm excited for because I'm like, okay, if, if she's going to be in the movie, then that means we got an Oliver Queen. we got a Green Arrow in this universe, so I'm excited to see how he's going to be in the, okay. the cinematic so, universe. So. Let me ask you this. So we have Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn again. So are any yeah. of these other characters mentioned? Were they in Suicide Squad, or have they been made mention of since DC kicked off making their movies? As far as Huntress and uh, Black Canary, I don't think there's been any reference towards them. Now, that being said, in Man of Steel, the Superman movie that kicked off the DC universe, and that and Batman v Superman, there is a lot of Easter eggs in those movies that mm-hmm. hint towards other characters in the DC universe. That was um, what I liked about that extended cut, and we didn't finish that conversation with Batman vs. Superman, but those cutscenes where he goes to his mother's grave and then the, the scene out in the desert when he's it's pre-shadowing apocalypse. Right, right. <clears throat> and I was like, are is pre-shadowing no, dark side. Di- yeah. dark, dark side, yeah, not apocalypse, but and I was like, man, I understand that that was in the original cut, but with the extended cut you got to see more of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It and, was, it, and, it, and it made more sense. Yeah. Yeah, it, it did. There was a lot of things that, you know, and that's the thing, too, from what they've done with these movies. Unless you're a comic book fan, you don't you don't really know. Like, if you're a non-comic book reader, you see these things, you don't think twice about it. But if you're a comic book fan and you see it, you're like, oh, they put that in there, mm-hmm. you know. So I think a lot of it, like, they paid attention to the fan. They put a lot of those nuances and nods for the comic book readers. But, like, for the... There, there's there's gonna be there's gonna be more. Well, I don't know about more, but you're gonna have when it comes to a movie, you're gonna have a mix of comic book fans and non-comic book fans. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's why the Christopher Nolan movies were such a big a, of a hit that they were. He took the elements from the comics. He took the lore out and he made everything really human. He made it realistic, mm-hmm. yeah. But my thing, my thing about that was like he took they took too much out of the character. Like Bruce was supposed to be master you know, detective. In a, yeah, master detective, and you you barely seen do any of that. And they really just um, played off being a you know a millionaire bachelor. Yeah, they they took too much of, of the, they took the fantasy out completely. So mm-hmm. like Bane, he didn't have the venom serum. Razagul wasn't really an immortal. You couldn't have characters Clayface or other rogues gallery that that had you know like kind of like supernatural or metahuman powers or whatever. But I, mean, I didn't mind them, and that's that's um, it's probably my favorite superhero movie trilogy, and it's one of the only superhero trilogy movies that I own. You know, all three of them. Yeah. Like they they, they were good. The Dark Knight was 
fan, uh, a fantastic movie, and that movie wouldn't have been as successful as it was without Heath Ledger. Oh um, man, yeah, no kidding. And the but the bad thing there's there's pros and cons to it too. The the bad thing about it, the good thing about it is that he did an amazing portrayal of that version of the Joker. He he did a fantastic job. It was great to see the first time you watch it. Oh, this is the guy from A Knight's Tale. Mm -hmm. This is and things I hate about you. Yeah, like, doing like, a whole bunch of like chick flicks type things. Yeah, like this is the same guy and then I'm like I was completely I was completely like I did not see Heath Ledger the whole time I watched that movie. No, it was I Joker. A Joker, yeah. <laughs> and and see the, that's the good thing about it. He did an amazing performance and the, the bad thing about it though, now that's what everybody expects. Yeah, now that's that's the bar. That everybody wants. Mm -hmm. And and then Jared Leto comes around and people just go, you know, and and I, I liked his Joker portrayal because he acted insane, goofy and insane. Like he really focused on the insane, loopy, comical Joker. I did not like his look. I will say that I wasn't a big fan of the look. The tattoos were a bit much like him with the gold chain and everything. I wasn't a big fan of that. Yeah, it was like a gangster Joker. Yeah, they well the director said he wanted to make him like an African drug lord. That was the style they were going for. I don't understand um, that, but okay. Well, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of his look as far as his clothing and all, but I understand like you had like each like each Joker portrayal, you had one that kind of reflected a certain style, like Jack Nicholson. I, well, I think even further than that, nineteen sixty six, Cesar Romero. You had him really minus the mustache that he refused to shave off. <laughs> uh, you, you, you had him acting like the clown, like very much so like how Joker was portrayed in the comics at the time in the 60s. Very goofy, very campy. Then you had Jack Nicholson. Ooh, campy. All right, all right. For those unfamiliar with that term and just that, that kind of style, the comic book era, I guess it would be the 60s and 70s, define campy. Campy, real, like, holy gee, Willikers, Batman. Like, oh, you you got me, Batman. Just real, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. It just, it, Adam West, Batman. You know, that's anybody that follows that or gets that very... <laughs> Goofy, but then you had Jack Nicholson who played played like a gangster, and he did it awesome because he had that balance too. He did. He was very out there. He was very crazy acting, yeah. and he had a great laugh. And and but he didn't really have that lunatic. Um, that 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 um, that smart like the Joker is incredibly smart, genius level intellect. He is like the total opposite of Batman, what people don't realize. But, I mean, he, he mirrors Batman, too. That's why he's his greatest villain, foe, whatever. Joker is also very strategical in his crimes. And that's what they hit the nail on the head in, the Heath, in Heath Ledger's performance. Like, the the whole Banks, you know, the Rob scene when you first see him in the movie, that whole opening scene when mm -hmm. they robbed the bank, like, the strategic, the planning and, and everything that he did, he had it all planned out, fit perfectly. You know, uh -huh. that, that was like in the comics. 
to an extent. And and what he would do later on, Joker would always leave one itty bitty because he's a sociopath and he wanted to be caught. He always leave one itty bitty little thing that hoping Batman would find it, knowing Batman would find it. And just the color, right? You know, like a serial killer that wants to be caught. You know, they is it his Joker colored? Is that what he's always leaving? Traditionally, that's what it was. But later on in the comics, it, you know, it got like way more technical you know batman noticed like uh, all right for example in, in one of the stories the joker is presumed to be dead and batman's analyzing a substance that he found at the scene and when the substance from the back computer it identifies it it's the chemical the chemical symbol or the symbol for that particular material was ha oh man and hot and it you know and it had it up there and batman's like oh i guess he did that was joker's way of getting the last laugh right so you know it's very very technical you know it it got into it like that very well thought out you know because i mean he is the world's greatest villain and he's going up against the world's greatest detective so Mm -hmm. but traditionally yeah it was the greeting the, the, the Joker playing card and they, they did a nuance to that too and Batman begins to at the end you know he leaves a calling card and it's a Joker card uh-huh. but yeah but they really hit the head on the head with that Jared Leto he really played the insane maniac you know Joker he had a little bit of the strategic planning too like at the end where they bust out Harley Quinn and a few other things. He didn't have much, as much screen time as everybody thought he was going to be. But like they told him from the beginning, Joker is not going to be the main bad guy in this movie. But they were like, we're going to put him in it because you know you got Harley Quinn, and they're going to talk about who she is and introduce her. So, well, how she's introduced is because of the Joker. So right. they threw him there too. Yeah. You know, like I said, none of them are perfect. They all have flaws in them. None of them are perfect. They have good things, bad things. One of the big things that I really didn't like about Batman v Superman was Batman killing people. But then you think about... He was, like, blatantly killing people. Mm -hmm. But then you go back and you look at the Michael Keaton movies and you're like, he was killing people, too. They they did that. They heavily... That's another thing that I did like about the Nolan movies. They really influenced that, too, with Batman's one rule. He won't kill anybody and how that can hurt you know you as a hero and they touch that touch bases on that a lot the dark knight but yeah i mean after the nolan movies like everybody has such like they're like okay well every movie every batman should be like this and i'm like no that's like his interpretation of his version of batman this isn't like the version that's set in stone this isn't even the version in the comics this is just christopher nolan said this is my vision like how i think batman Mm -hmm. should be yeah, and this is this is one of the things that really helped me was you know playing the the Arkham video games, and then just oh, hanging yeah. out with you and you telling me a lot about Batman and the lore behind it. And oh yeah, if you just capture the realistic side of Batman, that's fine. But when you start yeah. to bring in this lore, then you really start to open things up. Yeah, I and mean, I, one thing I liked about Justice League is I thought they did a good job of showing that he already had his plans for how he would take down each member if they became a problem. Oh, yeah. I, and, I mean, he uh, they, they did a story on that. Uh, 
was, I think it was the the uh, the Tower of Babel that came out, and they later the they did an animated movie called Doom, where they took a couple of different Justice League stories and they kind of put it into one. But the premise of it was Batman has contingency plans for every member of the Justice League. He has a contingency plan for everything that he does. He's always ten steps ahead of everybody. Mm-hmm. He has these plans, and they get stolen by the bad guys. So they they but Batman, of course, he doesn't kill anybody. So his plans is just to subdue mm-hmm. the member to take control of. Yes, like Superman, you would expose him to a certain amount of kryptonite. Exactly. So and then the, the bad guys, of course, they get it and they offer them to make them lethal. Mm-hmm. So we can make a trip in that bullet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They've done that. But yeah, I mean, but there's just so much in the comics that they can use. It's just you know, and there's been a lot that they have used. But but again, like I said, you're dealing with characters that have been around seventy plus years. Right. Stories have changed. You read you read a comic like. For example, I read here recently, well, reread Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns that was written in the 80s. And, I mean, the dialogue in it, the technology and everything, you know, it's so much differences in it. And, you know, if you do a modern adaptation of it, there's going to be differences. Absolutely. Because so, you want to be relevant in the culture that you're in. Yeah, exactly. I think Nolan was trying to do that for his while also taking the fantasy out of it. But, I mean, all in all, I have been enjoying what they've been doing in the DC universe as far as the cinematic universe. I personally have been enjoying it. Wonder Woman was great. I'm excited to see Aquaman. I never thought in my lifetime I would say that I'm excited to see anything (laughs) about Aquaman. All I've done my whole life is make fun of Aquaman. Everybody else has, dude. They've been making fun of him for the longest time. But I mean, but but even you know he's got a bad rap, you know, as far as how he's been portrayed in like the cartoon shows and all. And then until the Justice League animated series came out and they introduced him and did in the comics there for like in the '90s, I think it was the '90s and the 2000s where he had a hook for a hand, like they did in the the animated show. People don't realize it. And then in 2011, when the New 52 comic book series came out, his story was one of the most popular. His it was great. He's like calling up like great white sharks out of you know the ocean, like eating parademons, and he's just he's like I'm the king of the sea. You know, he's just he gets a bad rap. He's just as strong as Superman. He doesn't talk to fish. He can just manipulate their brainwaves to do what he wants. And they made mention of that in the Justice League. If you, you remember when Batman went yeah. to find him, he's like, so you talk to fish? He was like, yeah. yeah. I don't really talk to fish. Yeah, exactly. So they already started to address that. Yeah. But through like, but the big news that's been going on as far as the DC Universe, uh, Jeff Johns, who, for those of you who don't know, he has been the writer of Green Lantern for longest time and he has been the uh, chief creative officer for the dc entertainment well actually recently i think it was back in, in june he stepped down to focus on doing a green lantern movie right that being said doing a green lantern movie the right way and uh, again like i said he's the guy that's been writing for green lantern for a long time 
and he's going to focus on doing a Green Lantern Corps movie, which I cannot wait to see. Because, I mean, if he's doing it, I'm all in. I'm going to put money down that it's going to be fantastic. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I, I really I like Green Lantern a lot, too, because of the whole Space Corps. That's what I was going to ask you. I heard you, I heard you say Green Lantern Corps, and they're going to do a movie about that. I didn't know there was a Green oh, Lantern yeah. Corps. Green Lantern is a member of the Green Lantern Corps. And the Green Lantern Corps is this intergalactic space police force, pretty much, that harnessed the power of will in this supermassive lantern that is controlled by the Guardians of Oa. It's powered inside of their ring, and they have this ring where they just think up something, and the ring manifests into whatever they imagine. Okay. And they become like police, intergalactic police force. Okay. So apparently what, what Jeff Johns... Jeff Johns is wanting to do is um, the movie focusing on is the Green Lantern Court. So basically doing like a kind of like a buddy cop movie vibe, but it's superheroes, which I think is a great idea because I mean it's they're like an, like I said they're like an intergalactic militarized police force. That'd be interesting. Yeah, it would be good to see. Well, anyway, like I said, he stepped down as the chief creative officer, and Jim Lee who is probably considered the greatest comic book artist of all time. Uh, my personal favorite, him and Alex Ross, my two favorite artists. All right, and I'll stop you right there because I was going to ask okay. you. Uh, on the Porch Talk page and Facebook page and on the Instagram, I was going to take some of the Jim Lee things that you have drawn and put them up there. Just kind of give people a better idea, you know, a little bit more about who you are. Just put some of that up if that's cool with you. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's fine with me. I, I don't think I'm that great of a, of an artist, so yeah. But you're more than you're more than welcome <laughs> to um, to post any of it that you think look good. Um, I just I just recently got back into drawing again. It, I, I did a lot when I was working security before I got my new job. I had a lot of time to where I could. Mm -hmm. I used to do it all the time, but uh, I just recently been getting back into it. And I do like watching Jim Lee's Twitch stream, him draw, and also Todd McFarlane, who is another fantastic artist. And he's the co-creator of Venom and the creator of Spawn. Oh, wow. Um, Didn't know that. And also him and Jim Lee and several other artists are the ones that got together and created Image Comics, which is a company that have put out comics like Walking Dead, Spawn, Outcast, etc., etc. And so a lot of the big things that we've been enjoying for over the past three, four, five years. Yeah, they, they started the company Image Comics in 1992. I'm talking about like the TV shows that are popular today. Oh, yeah, uh, Preacher. Preacher was one, another one. It was a comic book series that came through Image. I think it was Image. Walking Dead, especially, one of the bigger ones. Spawn, of course, Spawn's been out for a long time. Mm -hmm. Several other stories that are non-superhero related. That, that was Image's big thing, what they started to do, was they were publishing a lot of comic books that really didn't have to do anything to do with superheroes. That's interesting. So, yeah. so like, what they do is like day-to-day -day life thing? It depends. Sometimes you have that. Sometimes you have like space travel. You have a bunch of supernatural stuff like Preacher. Or um, zombies. thing going on like Walking Dead. Uh, just things that aren't like typical superhero stories. Okay. You know, things that kind of are outside of superheroes. Okay, so it wouldn't be unnatural for them to do like maybe some like... Uh, maybe Jekyll and Hyde type things like that? Ty yeah, ty type of things like that, yeah. 
All right, so going on, going back to what you were saying about Jim Lee before I interrupted you about him taking over this. Okay, okay. Well, what he did, what he took over was he took over Jeff John's position as chief creative officer of DC Entertainment, which that pretty much means that title is he's the guy like under the Warner Brothers execs that are saying, hey, we want to make these movies, and he's trying to collaborate and say, okay, well, I think we need to do this and do this and see what we can do on what directors that we have that we have to do so he's like the creative officer and okay. he and jeff john stepped down from that and jim lee who is right now he's the publisher of dc comics well, that's a pretty uh, good guy for the job yes i would think so jim lee has been in the comic book industry since the late 80s 90s one of the most the the, the book that made jim lee famous really famous was when he was drawing for the x-men in 1992 that in that time x-men was the most was the most selling comic book in the 90s oh wow and i, I actually own personally i started collecting that series and i I own a couple of them. I love the artwork. He is just a fantastic artist. Are they hard um, to come by? Are, are those comics hard to find? No, it, not necessarily. See, back in the 90s, there was that was kind of like the, the Great Depression of comic book because back then they were printing millions and millions of copies. There is only, I think there's only 16 comic books in the 90s that are actually worth more than cover price now. Oh, wow. Uh, so it's not something hard to... Yeah. If you were to check out some Jim Lee artwork, it wouldn't cost a whole lot of money. Yeah, when comic books become rare, it's when there's not very many left. So in the 90s, they just printed a lot because they're like, we got to print so many because people are going to bomb. And, well, people bought all the ones that they needed and they didn't need the extras, so they lost value. Okay. But anyway, he, uh, he wrote that and also his designs that they did because basically that was the beginning of the volume two of X-Men because X-Men had run from 1964 to, to that time before they rebooted the series. And his designs and everything that they were doing at that time and some of the other stories too, his designs especially is what influenced the, uh, the 90s cartoon show. And that's how they came up with the idea to do it because that was the most, that was the best selling comic book at the time. And then like, hey, we're going to do a TV show. We're going to do a cartoon show. And they're like, oh, okay, we're going to do X-Men. It's very popular right now. Okay. And then later he went to work for DC and probably one of the, the most things he is recognized for as far as writing or drawing for DC was Batman Hush, which is an incredible story. Um, I have it. I own it myself. Uh, he drew the comic, and um, Jeff Loeb, who is another fantastic writer, and his he's wrote many many things for DC. He wrote the story, and Jim Lee drew it. Of course, Scott Williams, he did the the colorist. He was the colorist for the comic. He did all the coloring. He's fantastic at what he does. Like three three great men from. From the three, the holy trinity of comic books. The artist, the writer, and the colorist. The holy trinity. Oh, wow. That's crazy you put it that way, but it's, it sounds yeah. like a dynamite team. Jim Lee has taken that spot. Um, he has done fantastic work. Now, I will say this. There is one piece of work that he did that I did not really like, and it, it also hurts me, too, because the, the writer that wrote the comic is also one of my favorite writers, Frank Miller. Frank Miller's work, either you love it or you hate it. He, Frank Miller is the man that wrote, he rewrote Daredevil, rebooted Daredevil. He also, I think he drew for Daredevil too. 
but he wrote Daredevil and Man with No Fear, which is a lot of what has the, the elements that they've used for the Netflix show. And I see a lot. Of, I see a lot of scripture references, like uh, Daniel ten five, and some other scripture references. Oh yeah, they, they're heavy on sharing the the, the Catholicism and and Daredevil's character because he is he is a devout Catholic, and that's one of the things in his character he struggles with is clinging to a spade, seeing if the way he's giving justice is the will of God, or you know, and how it conflicts with him mm-hmm. eternally as a person and as a devout Catholic. Yeah, because um, I mean, he's the one. He's actually he's being judge, jury, and executor in some of the. Well, you know, it doesn't kill. Oh, but, he doesn't kill. But he's judge and jury in this. Right, and and he's a lawyer, and that's the thing too. His day job, he is a lawyer. Yeah. And then he even he admits and sees that there's certain aspects of the legal system that you know that that are terrible things that people get away for and then he decided that well i think i can balance that out and that's one of the big things that he struggles with with this character but uh but anyway frank miller wrote and the other big thing that he's known for is writing the dark knight returns which completely changed the way people read comic books especially batman comic books and his version of Batman is what a lot of what Ben Affleck's Batman was. It's kind based of a broken of Batman. Yeah, but uh, but he 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 did write a story called Batman and Robin All Star, which was uh, Jim Lee did the art, and the art is beautiful, but the story is I did not care for it at all. It was not my Batman. It was basically about how Batman took Robin under his wing, and Batman's just he's like torturing him. He's just being a complete just psychopath. Not not a big fan of the work is fantastic. The story's not, but all that being said, Jim Lee now replacing Jeff Johns as the chief creative officer, I, I think is a good move because the uh, Jim Lee has been with DC for a very long time, and I, I think it, I think it's a good idea. I have I, I, I love Jim Lee, so I'm trying not to sound biased, but given the man's record, I think I think it's a, a good choice, and I think he he's gonna do his best to please the Warner Brothers execs. So it's not all resting on his shoulders, but that's that's one thing people don't understand, especially some of these diehard fanboys. They're like, oh, we're going to blame the director, we're going to blame the actors. And I'm like, well, you got to remember, they're just doing what the people paying them to do. Right. You know, to do. And they're just working, doing the best with what they got. I think, and I give that to all, everybody involved with DC. I think everybody's been doing a great job. So, and, and you know, that's the thing, and the whole reason why I got on, into all of this anyway is because I love the characters, I love the comics, I'm still enjoying it, I'm taking it for what it is, um, I'm not, it doesn't keep me up at night, because guess what, ten years from now, all of this is going to be redone again anyway, right. just like the comics, so I'm not even stressing about it. Yeah, and it's not, it's not like you can't enjoy it, and like you said, it's, it has its flaws, but it's, oh, yeah. it's a pretty good, it's pretty good entertainment for, yeah. Uh, exactly. Hour and a half, two hours. It's entertainment. Whether it's good or bad, it's still entertainment. And you know, and, and the whole point of everybody who's ever read comics, the whole point is to, to seek entertainment but also to escape, you know, or anybody that gets in any kind of fandom, like the whole point is it's it's for them to, to enter a world to get lost in mm-hmm. and experience something else to escape from reality that's why people read that's why people draw that's why people play music mm-hmm. it's, it's a way to escape and it's also a way of expression exactly well all right well hey this has been another episode of porch talk johnny thanks again for being on oh man i, I appreciate it thank you for calling me i, mean, I was 
really looking forward to it. I'm glad you did, and I hope to hope to be back on again. Yeah, man, definitely. It was, um, you know, the little tagline for the show, the unbelievable science and progress of how do you know. I learned a lot tonight. <laughs> and so, man, I, I appreciate you sharing some of the, the things that, that you're into uh, with the comic books and cosplay and some of the things you're looking forward to in video games, man. And then until oh, next yeah. time, I appreciate it, man. And I'll be hearing from you again. All right, man. May the force be with you. <laughs> Always. Love it. Well, all right, hey, we have entered into the month of October, so we plan to use the rest of this month to focus on Halloween and spookier and creepier type things. The music for them tonight is Wheels. There's no words. I can't remember who wrote it either. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.